Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Deconstructive Criticism. I am Aaron Flam. We once again welcome ex-Muslim and podcaster Omar Makar to talk about his childhood, youth and anti-Semitism in the Arab world. But first, a big thank you for supporting my work, regardless of if you're supporting it as a Patreon on patreon.com slash Aaron Flam in one word, via PayPal with Bitcoin or on Swish 0046-768-94-3737. Double O four six seven six eight nine four three seven three seven. My book, This is a Swedish Tiger, is available as an ebook on Kindle or as a paperback on my webpage aramflam.com in both Swedish and English. The book analyzes the relationship between the Swedish social democrats and the socialists and later Islamists in the Palestinian movement and what they have in common, namely an anti-Semitism that can be traced back in an unbroken line to Nazi Germany. Omar Makram apparently did read the Protocols of the Elders of Zion as a young man, so we know that some foreign anti-Semitic ideas have been incorporated into Middle Eastern culture. A few years ago, Mein Kampf was a bestseller across the Arab world. It probably still is, considering Israeli defense forces found an earmarked and underlined copy of it on one of the perpetrators of the pogroms on October 7th. Omar Makram came from Egypt to Sweden as a refugee. He fled because of his atheism. When the Swedish migration services didn't believe him, he filmed himself burning a Quran and published the video on YouTube. 
This was years before Quran burnings were a thing and no one seems to have taken notice except me. I interviewed him about it and Omar has since been a guest on the podcast at least three or four times. Neither one of us can remember exactly which. If you're interested, I suggest you listen to those episodes. Since he came to Sweden, he has worked against honor culture among Swedish migrant youth and broadcasts the podcast The Last Supper, Sista Måltiden in Swedish, together with some friends. In their conversations, he sometimes mentions his background as a fundamentalist Muslim, but never seems to get any follow-up questions from his co-hosts. So I thought I'd ask him more about it. This was the result. Enjoy. Welcome back to Deconstructive Criticism, Omar Makiram. Thank you, Aram. So uh, this is the third time you're uh, uh, participating in the podcast. Is it the third or the fourth? I lost count. Uh, I seem to remember the last time we spoke, it was about postmodernism. That's possible. And then before that, it was uh, because you had uh, burned a Quran. No, there was something in between, I think, about Islamism as well. Wasn't was there? Yeah, Maybe. I think so. All right. Yeah. So you're telling me we've already covered this subject. <laughs> well, there's always new stuff to cover, I guess. Yes, uh, this, this is the fourth attempt at debrief. Yeah. So um, can you just tell me about your upbringing? Uh, first, uh, your family. Tell me, what, 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 where am I? Who are they? Uh, and what's the climate? Do, do you want me uh, to take you down uh, memory, memory lane? Yes. My memory lane. Uh, yeah. All right, let's see. I was born in Cairo. Well, uh, in another city close to Cairo, but like we were living in Cairo at the time. It's my mother. She was at her mother's when she gave birth to me. Uh, I'm the eldest son in the family have three other siblings yeah i was it's a typical so what did your father do for a living he had an import export company that uh, sounds like a spy <laughs> uh, no, he was a he was a businessman uh, and my mother she's a french teacher um oh, so and well they were typical i would say maybe upper middle class family and we had like a really good education i was i was sent to private schools basically where everything was taught in english so this is but did you live at home or were they like boarding schools no no i lived at home Uh, although in the beginning like uh, the school like ended like around 6 p.m i think or, or 6 or 7 p.m Mm-hmm. It was like because we um they helped us also like there with the homework and it's, it was yeah, so one of the best schools in Cairo at the time. Um and well I was raised as a religious Sunni. What denomination? Uh Shafi. And I'm not so sure how extensive you want me to go, but like as extensive as you want to go. <laughs> um, oh, but uh, so uh, and my father he encouraged me to read a lot, uh, and I was somewhat of a bookworm. 
uh, I had like almost something which I kind of still have until today, like some kind of knowledge addiction, like data addiction. I want to consume as much data there is out there. But in the beginning, what type of books uh, did your father want you to read? Like Mein Kampf and uh, the <laughs> Protocols of the Elders uh, of Zion. Yeah, those actually, that book I read later on, but it was at my own... Which one? Uh, Protocols of the Elders of Zion. It's well, one of the popular books in, in Egypt. Yes. It probably still is. Probably it's, it's uh, experiencing a resurgence in, in sales right now. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that I read around, I think I was maybe 13, 14. Uh, I just like picked it up from a bookstore. Um, yeah. And the schools you went to, were, was it like mathematics, history? Uh, yes, everything. Like, Arabic. Uh, Arabic, English, French, mathematics, history, geography. Uh, Jew-hating. <laughs> no Jew-hating. That is not as much in school, I would say, but it's, it's much more cultural and to some extent, well, religious as well, of course. Um, for me, it, it, it's much, it, it was much more about religion as much of what of my software was it was religious more well there's always an interplay between culture and religion of course but for me i just like since i believed some things to be the the absolute truth from god this was me uh, for me the clearest um instructions about what i should believe and behave in life mm -hmm. you know and this is also to some extent explains why when i lost my faith in, in Islam completely, these instructions were no longer valid. Sometimes I, I see that some people are a bit, how to say, uh, find it a bit strange that I have changed so radically. But for me, it was just about the instructions. I no longer thought the instructions were valid. So you're really like an OCD person. Yes. And you were given faulty instructions. Yeah, or... Yeah, instructions that I believed were true, which I at some point stopped believing they are, um, they are Tell true. Tell me about these instructions. Uh, what type of person did they make you into? I would say, like, yeah, what would be described by European standards as a, or Western standards as a reactionary person. Um, How so? Very... Reactionary views on, on women, on sex, on, on sexuality, on, on uh, sexual, like, I don't know, homosexuality, for example, uh, about Jews, of course, um, a lot of anti-Semitism. Um, it's, it's like you have been given a manual of why you are here, what you're supposed to do, and what you're supposed to avoid in order to reach heaven and to avoid hell and goes for a lot of religions though. of course of course but then if you take it like very much to heart then it can become problematic here because if you are a fundamentalist that's not necessarily necessarily a bad thing if the fundaments of this ideology or religion that you believe in are good or peaceful like 
if you are a Jain, for example, and you're a fundamentalist Jain who believes really too hard that he shouldn't harm anyone or any living soul, it, it's not necessarily problematic to be a fundamentalist Jain, but it's, it's problematic to be a fundamentalist Muslim because there is a lot on the, in the fundaments of Islam that is in direct clash with a lot of the values that exist in the West. Most of the values that exist in the West, I would say. And that's not a very strange thing. If also, if you look back in history, Islam has always, almost always, had an anti-Western, anti-European strain, not necessarily just because of the teachings of the religion, but because of the history itself. Like Islam as an expansionary, expansionary, acquisitive ideology, it, 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 it basically it clashed with the West because it wanted to invade the West. And the Muslims were defeated later, like they, they conquered uh, under um, Spain and like they were defeated in, in France and so on. And uh, Al-Andalus. Uh, and this has never really went away. Uh, there, because also there is a lot in the, in the prophecies of the, of the prophet uh, and the hadith and so on that says, for example, that the Muslims will invade uh, the land of Arum, which is supposedly the Romans, but it's much more interpreted as the Westerners. And, uh, and, and since the very beginning of Islam, there were clashes with the Byzantines and, and, uh, and so on. So this kind of like anti-Western like grain of, or strain in Islam has always been there. It's almost like um, an identity that's, that is formed in opposition to the Western identity in a sense. They are... Like Denmark and Sweden, culturally. <laughs> uh, that's one way to see it. But um, the decadent, degenerate West and the righteous Muslims. Um, and this also has contributed a lot to the several Islamic revivals that have happened throughout history. Um, because there is always the desire or the attempt to return back to the fundaments of Islam as what can be, uh, as what will save the Muslims and what will basically make us, make Muslims great again, uh, if they go back to the religion. Make Muslims great again, MMGA, <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's a redeeming force to return to the yes. fundamentalist Islam. Exactly, because for for the most part a lot of muslims and, and a lot of like muslim countries they see their faith so to speak as connected to allah uh, this is the path uh, and and a lot of what they have been promised is also connected to how strict on how, or how close they keep to the religion And this is also how I saw things at the time. Um, so this was my worldview. And in a sense, also it's interesting because 
considering what's going on right now as well and whether yeah, like let's in Israel talk about that because yeah. I just uh, uh, not finished but I, I reviewed uh, your debate with Ali Gorgi debate I, uh, well <laughs> discussion I don't know what to call it really tantrum uh, yes <laughs> and I and and I have also watched his show with the two Hamasniks uh, who were on and uh, got their view of history. And I've read it before. I mean, the Arab view of this conflict, and uh, it uh, leaves out a few chapters h- here and there. Yeah. Yes. And this is why what I tried to point out to him also in this debate. Yeah. Um, oh, because it's like it's very convenient. Very convenient, but also it's not very strange. Uh, people tend to do that, and and groups of people tend to do that, especially if they are engaged in some sort of conflict, tribal, religious, holy war, because this is also what a lot of Muslims see this whole thing as. And it's interesting also to think and to understand that for all of Muslims and Arabs, the holy war is more important than the land. So they, if, you, if you're asking them, for example, to leave parts of what they see as their land, Palestine and so on, they no longer have their holy war. Their holy war is the one that they have to be victorious over the Jews and take over the whole land from the river to the sea. Uh, and this, in a sense, it's more important, which is, in a sense, also tragic because it's it's causing causing a lot of suffering, suffering and misery. Does uh, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, it's also heartbreaking that 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 a lot of like people, especially children, who are caught up uh, in this. Um, but you used to believe all this, right? I did. Yeah. And this is why I understand that side as well. And this is why I don't get so provoked when I, like emotionally provoked when I hear how they talk and think, because I used to think, <laughs> think and talk. And yes, but what, what changed your mind on that topic? Because I'm, I'm mm. guessing like knowing you, mm. uh, sex was probably the first thing that made you <laughs> abandon devout Islamism. Uh, I guess it, it could have been a catalyst, but it's not the reason. No? Uh, I think it's just that... Um, why uh, how i was so addicted to reading it started to make me i think i was like at age nine i was like subscribing to some like politics and and science magazines and things like that and and i started to feel that i know a bit more than the others around me who are telling me about what and how the world is and you know most most religious people, including most Muslims, they take religion out of inheritance, not out of conviction, really. And at some point, I wanted to study Islam very deeply in a way that I will have my own um, genuine faith. Mm-hmm. But it's also a bit ironic because I, I approach this process wanting to strengthen my faith, in a sense, to make it more genuine, you know, yes. uh, that I really study very deeply the Quran, the Hadith, the history of Islam and so on, and have a very, not original, but very genuine uh, faith that is not like somebody told me, okay, this is how it is, but like, no, that I know how it is. Um, I have analyzed and 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 uh, 
have been have reasoned myself to a believe in my belief mm-hmm. that I inherited. And the problem arose when the more I studied, the more I read, the less it made sense to me, really. And I, I tried to reconcile it. I tried to reconcile, for example, the Quran and the Hadith, and I couldn't um, because there was like so many, in a sense, contradictions. But it's also that uh, to me, I saw, I didn't see the point of the Hadith at some, at some point during this process. This is a process that took around three years. So it was a longer process. And at some point I decided to leave Sunni Islam and become a Quranist. So relying only on the Quran and what it says. <laughs> I remember at times uh, when, when I became a Quranist, I was fast, we were fasting during Ramadan and we were at uh, one of our relatives places having the iftar. And because I'm no longer Sunni, in the Quran it says that you should break your fast only when it's so dark that you cannot uh, differentiate the white thread from the black thread. Um, while Sunni Muslims, they break their fast uh, at, uh, at the, um, the Maghrib uh, uh, prayer, mm-hmm. which is still like it's a... It's, it's early. It's early. It's not, not that dark yet. <laughs> and, I rem- and so it's like a, maybe around half an hour. It's not that much of a difference, but like half an hour, maybe 40 minutes difference or something of the sort. And I remember we were sitting on the um, iftar table, all the food like um, laid on the table. Then the adhan comes, the call to prayer, and everybody starts to eat. And then I'm just like not eating. And then my relatives, like they look at me and I was like, what's what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not eating? Like, didn't you hear the adhan? I was like, yeah, I heard. But you know, in the Quran, it says that you break your fast when it's so dark that you cannot differentiate the white thread from the black thread. They just like looked at me as if I'm like a crazy person. <laughs> 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 what are you talking about? Um, but it's like, I was like, just, it is in the Quran. Then haven't you read it? <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, but that's because of the Hadith, of course, and, and the Sunnah and so on. So yeah, I, I started to like, uh, reason myself through through my belief, so to speak, and mm-hmm. adjusting it in a in a way. So I left Sunni Islam and became a Quranist under a period of time. But then I also it, it was still not making much sense to me. I did not really understand the core message of like which is shared in like uh, Christianity, and I'm not so sure how it is in Judaism because. In Judaism, there is no hell, right? Uh, Not really, no. No. But anyway, uh, so uh, I didn't see the point of like this omnipotent God who could create human beings in whatever form he wants to create them. And he's omniscient, so he knows what is going to happen in the future as well. But he created human, creates human beings weak in order to sin and he gets upset about them sinning even though he saw this and this is how he created them and although he's omnibenevolent he decides to send them to 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 suffer in hell for for eternity because of 
the way he created them and 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 what he has foreseen to have will happen so this basic premise did not make rational sense to me and then there was a lot of things that also uh, it's like more and more when I, when you really try to to analyze the text it sounds more like an angry human being rather than a you know the divine <laughs> yes uh, and this is another thing that also did not appeal to me and i guess this all speculation but i guess also during this period there's also another thing that is useful when you know another language and you consume intellectual and cultural material that comes from a culture outside of your own kind of like broadens your horizon a little bit but also i would say there is this saying in the in egypt and the arab world that the west will corrupt the youth and in a sense this is true because it kind of like grows on you when, when you're watching i don't know like even things like friends for example and that and your 70s sitting, show anything and you're like you're starting to have like you don't see it's difficult to not to have sympathy for for others as well in other cultures and you don't see why they need to like burn in hell or why they are the bad guy what yeah. what have they done really um and then there's the sex part i guess <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of a lot of factors uh that that uh, contributed to that and i think also some personality traits apart from the the whether ocd or autism or whatever um i don't have like a, a personality that follows the crowd so much and i'm not very a skittish person in general i i'm not afraid of consequences that much so leaving a religion especially like islam it's something very big to a lot of people that the 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 very notion of it is scary enough to make you back off of of even approaching this whole like doubt yeah uh, thing because you would lose your your family your community you will you will be pursued maybe by the law in your country uh your life will be in danger it's like there is a lot of things that basically existential like many layers of existential threats that you will incur by getting into that territory and for some reason maybe i have a malfunctioning survival instinct or something this does Obviously. not oh this does not work for me uh so i was not very uh deterred by 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 this uh, which makes it easier to like um, stray away from the so we just have to make uh all the children in the arab world autistic <laughs> <laughs> oh that's one way to see it uh because although, but how would you reach a man like uh ali that you debate or discussed or had a tantrum with it's not because possible it's not possible it's not possible it's not possible to to change i think what ha- what has been also difficult here in the west and in sweden is the complete lack of integration cultural integration uh because of the volumes what you have done here is to replicate territories that are culturally geographically in the west but culturally in the middle east 
Uh, and it's, it's very strange if people here would think that the, the generations the, who have been born here in Sweden or people who have come here in Sweden would change their mind if they are still living in their same culture. Um, and this is what has happened. It could have happened differently, but it would have required very different policies, um, which unfortunately it's too late for. So uh, what is to be done now then? I think one of the things that maybe should be really considered, um, for example, withdrawing citizenship from people who came here as adults, maybe, and, and got their citizenship as adults, uh, who are extremists, who support organizations like Hamas, or this is like this is something I've, I've been wrestling with and I still am to some extent because you you used to be uh, a Quranist yes and uh, uh, you stopped believing and mm. your life is also in danger right yes and just yeah. as mine is because of being Jewish and Swedish right and you're a Swedish atheist Muslim ex-Muslim right uh, which makes you a target as well so you don't want to particularly share a country, I suppose, with people who you know wants to kill you? No, there is this aspect, but I mean, there are like considerations when, when it comes to maybe principles, when it comes to even like consequentialist uh, considerations. What, how, what mechanism would you put in place to whether deport people who need to be deported on what basis and how can you have a mechanism to revoke citizenship for example and what would be the consequences of all that and how would you actually implement it in practice and also when it comes to the idea of citizenship how problematic it is is it that sweden basically had placed zero value in the citizenship of their country, of their nation. And they have given citizenships left and right to people who do not believe in Sweden, who do not believe in the West, who are hostile to the West in many instances, who do not believe in liberal democracy or democracy for that matter, who do not believe in secularism. What is the effect of that on your country and your culture and by extension long-term on your laws, this is also something people tend to have a very limited, something which surprises me, a very short-term view of civilization and culture. They think in terms of two, three years. This is, this is catastrophic if you are thinking about how to preserve your country and your culture and civilization. You have to think in terms of generations and how this, what kind of society you want and how all these changes will impact it in the future for your children, grandchildren, and their children. I'm just like, um, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this Pew Research survey that says that Sweden within, was it 30 years or 2050 or something, uh, will be uh, 30% Muslim or something like that. Is no. it 50%? I don't remember. I don't remember either, but uh, it's not. So we could have a countdown clock on my webpage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... And, and people don't understand what the impact of that is on, on the country in the future. 
Like, what do you think will happen if... This is why I'm also very suspicious of, of, of those Salafi uh, life coaches. Uh, Are there Salafi life coaches? Uh, like Medina student and then like... All right, um, yes. And uh, these, these people who try to basically spread Islamic fundamentalism as a way to save the youth in, in the suburbs. From criminality. From criminality, which, first of all, there's not really, there's no evidence that this, this thing works at all. Uh, plus, it's also very dangerous because if you, if you look at, at any kind of religious movement, spe- especially puritanical movement, what you're teaching is not necessarily... Or like the line that you're drawing is not necessarily the line that your students would want to draw. Take Osama bin Laden, for example. He drew the line at attacking the Saudis. He knew that this is a red line. It mm-hmm. should not be trespassed. And he, this is what he kind of like um, uh, instructed to his students. This is what he basically wanted to happen that, you know, don't attack the Saudis. His students deviated from that. They, and this is why MBS is also have, have becoming more, uh, have been like clamping down on a lot of like the clerics and, and so on, because he's, he saw that, okay, they are starting also to attack us. Um, ISIS comes from, from, uh, from Al-Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like, so these Salafi life coaches, it's not like if they are, teaching a more peaceful version of Islam, even if it's like a Salafi version or like a fundamentalist version, but saying that, yeah, we should like um, only proselytize in, in peace and like leave things to like um, the, the people in charge to deal with and so on. It's not like all of their students will come to the same conclusion. If they come closer and closer to the scriptures in a fundamentalist way, of course, some of them would become jihadis. This is like, it's not rocket science to, to deduce that. Because um, there is a causality between the texts and, and the practice of exactly. jihadism. Yes, yes. Uh, and this is also another thing that a lot of people are not seeing, which is also strange. It's, it, it can be frustrating sometimes that people don't really want to spend time analyzing and thinking about things that are really beyond the upcoming couple of years, and that's it. So they think, ah, well, uh, we have a problem with criminality. Well, let's try to to turn the suburbs into Salafi um, zones. Maybe then, if they come closer to God, we will have less crime. Uh, And even if you say, well, yeah, but first of all, this has not been proven to work. They're like, yeah, but what do we have to lose? You have everything to lose. <laughs> uh, you have your future and your country to lose. Um, so, oh, can be frustrating at times. But when you were a fundamentalist, I mean, Quran is extreme because then you don't even trust Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, were there like other uh, Western philosophical influences that came into your education? And what Arab intellectual influences came into your education. Also uh, interesting. Yeah. I think it was more education at school. Not so much Western philosophy. We don't really... Yeah, well, slightly Plato and Socrates, but there isn't any emphasis placed on, placed on, on them in that sense. 
a lot of like your philosophy is still deri- derived from religion to to a great extent and from the clerics and there are there have been these like more modern clerics who dress like i, I remember how appealing it, it this has been for a lot of people in egypt as well because we have always been used to to uh, clerics and and religious preachers you know being like they have like long beards they are dressed in this traditional clothes and so on and then uh, more young people who dress in suits uh, shaved beards and um, or like at least not long beards started to have these talk shows they've become really popular in egypt at the time and we're talking now end of the 90s yeah around end of the 90s the beginning of like 2000 something like this uh, it this exploded in egypt and it had a lot of like emphasis uh, influence on people uh, including myself um but when it when it comes to west no i have to say that most of the the western philosophy uh, it came afterwards after i left rather so not before not a lot of uh, marxism no. leninism no plato is the is the is the one that maybe i started to to get interested in at some point when was that it must must be it was under the same period when i was when i started to to examine islam um i started to maybe look into other sort not not necessarily to to try to to see which was the right path but just i i got curious about other philosophies so to speak but not before that no no uh, and when that. when you like um, hated israel then right yes or the jews general the jews yes, yes. um uh, and we're talking about the ethnicity Jew, uh, not uh, the delicious juice made <laughs> of fruit. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, um, how did you justify that? The Jews in in Islam are portrayed quite often as the betrayers of God of Allah. They were supposedly the chosen people, and. We are, we have it on paper. (laughs) (laughs) God, Allah, tried to give them chance after chance, but they were always portrayed as like treacherous, uh, lying, um, covetous. Uh, They always like um, betrayed and killed the prophets that Allah sent to them, Things, things like that. So there is a very, it's like the Jews are, the people that 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 God stretched out His hand to, and they spat on it or bit it, uh, and this is the root to the animosity against the Jews in Islam. I would say. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's not the fact that Abraham owned Hagar as a slave woman, <laughs> probably raped her. Yeah. And when she got uh, pregnant with his child, uh, he kicked them out into the desert to die of starvation. Not at all. Abraham is very holy in Islam. Okay. Uh, really? Yeah. yeah. The, right. the prophets, because oh. the, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the, Abraham the is I a, mean, if you want an original perpetrator right. of the animosity between uh, the Jews and the Arabs, then a natural <laughs> suspect would, would, be, have been. would have been Abraham, yes. you'd, think, you'd think, since he had Arab slaves and, you know, kicked them out of his home. You'd think, well, even though these, these stories are not really taught in Islam. So he's a hero. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's, holy, he's a holy figure. All in Islam, it's seen as the continuation of Judaism and Christianity, that these three messages were actually sent by Allah and... It, what, what happened is that the Jews and the Christians, they have falsified Allah's true message, um, which included that Muhammad would be the final prophet also, <laughs> uh, supposedly. Yes. yes. Uh, and, and all these prophets, so to speak, they are very holy in, in Islam. And this is why sometimes I also, when people deny that the... Israelis um, belong to that area. I tell them, but it, it is in the Quran. You know that. Like, you know, Mo, who, who do you think the people of like Moses, Solomon, uh, David, because these are holy prophets and they were the, the kings of the Israelites in the Quran. Yeah. And like, where were they? Where were they living? <laughs> um, the word Palestinian is not mentioned in no. the Quran. No. Um, and, uh, but, if I would steal man their, their, their reply, they don't really get that far. But if I probably, okay, how I would have replied then is that, yes, I agree, but they have betrayed God and lost their rights because of that. Um, and this would be probably what a lot of people also would, a lot of Muslims would think if you would come with this argument. But it's also an interesting argument that at least from a semi-secular perspective, uh, because right now there is an interaction between the so-called seculars or, or, or the West, basically, who are somewhat friendly towards Islam and the Muslims. And the Muslims have to come up with arguments that are not super religious. So the argument would be, well, they never, they never had the right to this land. They were never there. And you would point out, but, you know, even in your book, they were there. And it's a bit difficult if we're having a discussion in a Western context that they would say, yeah, but they betrayed Allah and they lost the, yeah, that yeah. right. You know what I mean? But it's so it's, it's, it's interesting to, to bring up that factoid. That, because uh, when I read this guy, I mean, I sent you this article, remember? Yeah. It's, uh, what's his name? His Hussein Abu Bakr Mansour. Right. And, and, and um, he writes a lot about uh, Fanon, Franz Fanon, yeah. and the wretched of the earth. And I, I've read about that before from other sources. 
um, and also, you know, Leninism, Marxism seeping in through the Soviet support for a lot of Arab terror groups and militias during the Cold War, if nothing else. Right. Uh, so, but you you noticed nothing of that in your upbringing. Um, no, not not necessarily. The, the the West has just like been, even if even if there was no colonialism, if there was nothing of the sort, the West would have still been the enemy because of the incompatibility in the way of life and beliefs, and also what a lot of fundamentalist Muslims or conservative Muslims see what will happen. Like the, the, there are these, um, how do you call them in English? Prophecies that um, things that will happen before judgment day, mm-hmm. which includes a path to the Muslims basically being at the top of the world. Um, Things includes that also Jesus will come down and he will rule on earth for 40 years, um, things of the sort, and um, the Antichrist coming and all these things, they are believed by many Muslims. Um, and in, in that, there is this antagonism between the Muslims and the decadent West. Um, the people who are, because to Muslims, they are the people who are chosen by God and they will inherit the earth. And this includes a clash with others who are who, other forces that exist right now, including the West and the Jews. I also read this um, article in German Focus about a German man who works with uh, mostly migrant youth, around 7,000 of them per day, apparently, in his, he has some sort of organization that works with them. And he says uh, that the hatred against uh, Jews and the West is unimaginable. And he doesn't see any possibility of reaching these people. No, I don't see that either. Um... So uh, why... Why would you make Sweden your last stand? I mean, obviously, Sweden will be overtaken before many other Western countries, because uh, Sweden is always, you know, ahead of the curve. We, we're always <laughs> trendsetters internationally. That's true. Uh, why? Hmm. First of all, I was not, when I came here, I was not aware that the situation, the situation is as it is. But I told you, like the first thing yeah, I did. It was too late. I was here already. You <laughs> should have told me before I came. <laughs> You're like time machine going back by the way. Yeah. Go I, to another country. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's one thing. Another thing, I think it's kind of like triggering almost like a, some kind of... Uh, war mentality in, in you. me yes that i feel that i don't want to back off uh, and i see some chance of winning that we still win there is the possibility to like well it's m- greater than in egypt wouldn't you say <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes so here i have a, a there is a better chance to win than than in the middle east definitely but that would require a lot of policies that are very radical. And I don't know if the current political parties 
have the guts and stomach to... Obviously not. You don't think... Sometimes I see glimpses of it's... Because here, there is a lot of like... Ideology is one thing. And um, you can have like, how, how to say, fine or refined values and think nicely of people and want to be kind. Until basically shots start to get fired near your kids. And then it's no longer about... But shots have been fired around kids here already for years now. Yeah, but it's, I think it's... And this would explain why also a certain party is getting more popular. Yes. Uh, but it will, it, is, it will reach a tipping point when more and more people will say, no, 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 this is enough. We cannot be that... We cannot be turning the other, other cheek all the time. And but this then is, they would have to sacrifice true liberal values. It's possible that it will come to that. No, it, ha- it has to come to that. Because yeah. uh, we're, we're talking about stemming a demographic explosion of radical Islamists mm. in Sweden within the next three decades, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, pure mathematics stipulate that you have to deport a lot of people. Yes. Yes. Which, in turn, means you have to, uh, well, annul citizenships. Yeah, but... but which it's... is... Let's face it, uh, against most legal principles. In, and in that case, but if it's a war, then you have uh, undantagslagar, right? Mm. You have, you have uh, exception from normal state of affairs. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. Like, this is what I've been wrestling with. Is there like some kind of fail-safe that should protect liberal democracy? I mean, if you... Because how I see it is like that. Sometimes you have your values, your culture, but sometimes you have to step outside of it a little bit in order to actually preserve it. Yes. Um, And maybe this is what it will come to. Maybe... I don't see how it would come to anything else. Yeah, maybe people will realize, well, maybe we made a mistake to give citizenship to a lot of like Muslim fundamentalists. Maybe this is basically the death of a liberal democracy. And that's not... um, normative statement it's a descriptive statement uh, that this this is just like what would it will lead to like if we have a big portion of our citizens who do not believe in liberal democracy and another portion who are kind of like i don't know su- submissive um people who just cower in fear mm-hmm. uh, then you no longer have a liberal democracy then you might as well do something to try to protect it. Well, you saw the pictures from London the other day, right? It's uh, 300,000 people marching, uh, so to speak, uh, quote-unquote, for Palestine, right? uh, which is against Israel, as Mm. you probably know. And uh, when asked, the London Metropolitan Police just says, uh, uh, well, what do you want us to do? We're outnumbered. And uh, you, then you see video of some of the police officers, like high officers, who lead the protests. Right. Yeah. But this is also another thing that, that is, is worth to talk about. Something I've been thinking about as well. The security risk when it comes to... Because more and more of, of people who do not believe in liberal democracy and have citizenship will come into key positions... Like what, what, what happens when you have like a big portion of those people who are 
they are now already to some extent like journalists, but also in the police, in the military. Members of parliament? Oh, members of parliament. Yamal like, al-Hajj is, yeah, is a prime example. Exactly. But imagine like if you have, I don't know, a third of the parliament like that. Yeah. Uh, at some I point. Can, I can very easily imagine yeah. that. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, like... How come but nobody? Not because I'm this? paranoid. It's because mm. Pew statistics tell me right. that that would be reasonable. A third of Parliament. Yeah, I, I have been before a bit more optimistic because I was optimistic about like the upcoming generations. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe the there is chance that the most of them would change their minds. But the problem with the segregation here, then. Like I, like I was saying, it's, it becomes a replication of, of the cultures of the Middle East. They are stuck there. Yes, well, and our ratio is piss poor compared to the article I read in Focus, the German Focus magazine. He said a uh, 12-year-old come up, came up to me and said, uh, first we will cut the throat of the Jews, then the gays, and then the Christians, in that order. Mm. So he knows what he wants to do in life, mm. 12 years old. I knew uh, and also. I wanted to join Hamas during that time also when I was in that age. Yeah. Because, you know, they are the Harry Styles of the Middle East. Yeah. Pretty much. But also you have a problem here, another problem. Is it like joining a band? (laughs) It's like, I'm a teenager, maybe we should form a band or we join Hamas. Yeah, that's, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think people also... This is why it's a bit useful to have been there, you know, to have lived that. They underestimate the exhilaration of believing that you are in a holy war. You know, it's something that's very uplifting in a sense. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Because, you know, people who are having these experiences, they are not like psychopaths. They are not like crazy people. They just have these certain beliefs that lead them to act and think in the way they do. Yes. Um, and th- this is also why it's a bit dangerous because let's say if it was only a minority who, who, who is like that because of personality traits or whatever, but that's not really the case. It's like, just like the belief system. What is like making it even more difficult here? The presence of factions on the left who seem to have this, um, they are like jihadi commies. Uh, They think that they are the new, uh, I don't know, uh, Castros and Guevara's. They they want to have this like, Kaisa Ekman comes to mind, for example. I... I can, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I imagine in a sense that she's like feeling some sort of exhilaration in a, in a way to, 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 to feel that she's like a freedom fighter and she's like trying to stand up like against oppression and, and, and things of the sort. Um, and you have, I guess, a, a lot of people who have these kinds of feelings and Fantasies. I guess, Oh, Greta, Greta. <laughs> well, Alexander Bard said, you know, uh, years ago when I interviewed him about the woke left, and he said, well, it's all Rousseau. And I was like, no, but there's a fair share of Marx in here too. And then uh, um, 
the 7th of October happened in Israel with the barbarity. And you see, um, and it's like uh, you see the left react to that. They fawn over it. They're like, oh, these heroes. And you're like, oh, that's the idea of the noble savage. Right. It's a Rousseauian idea. Right. Uh, and Alexander Bard proves to be uh, right again. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. there's a fair share of that in the left, you know, the, yes. the adulation of the noble savage. Right. Definitely. Definitely. And it's just like a toxic combination that um, I'm not so sure. And also another thing of, of these security risks, people in power, they tend to be often Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if suddenly you have a big portion of your voter base <laughs> that are giving you votes who have these ideas it becomes uh, not not even uh, we're not talking about ideology here becomes for your self-interest very difficult to go against them uh, so if you have a lot of people who of um, like muslim or middle eastern background who support palestine or like they want a less secular society or whatever they don't like liberal democracy but they are giving you their votes it's very difficult to say, well, no, sorry, we only want people who believe in, in secularism and uh, people who uh, uh, are against Hamas. But that's why the Social Democrats defend uh, Jamal El-Hajj as a member of parliament uh, tooth and claw, because uh, they know that he delivers votes for them. Right. Lots of votes. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, the writings on the wall, if you're a Jew in this country. I mean, it's obviously... Uh, they're not even making the effort uh, to turn the tide. So, so I mean, they said 10 million in extra, extra money for the Jewish congregations for security. I mean, that, yeah, sure, that protects you against terror, but it doesn't make the country at large livable if you know that there's a fair share of your compatriots who'd rather see you dead. Right. Uh, and there's no doubt that that's what's going on. I don't know if you saw the pictures from the latest demonstration in Stockholm outside of Parliament. It was like 3,000 people and they're mm. shouting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Right. And uh, how will we achieve that? Well, intifada, intifada. Mm. And, and I mean, I've seen uh, pro-Palestinians and Arabs defend that by saying, well, intifada, it just means shaking off. It's just like a, it's like a hair musical type uh, uh, insight where you just shake off the old regime. But I mean, I've seen pictures of Intifada. They always look like violent uprisings. Mm, they with are. Stone throwings and burning tires and sometimes gunfire. So, so uh, for me, when I hear from the river to the sea and how that will achieved, be, be achieved is by Intifada, then I know what they're saying they're saying they want to kill me yeah yeah it, it is a, indeed a sorry state of affairs um, but w- what do you think should happen then what I think will happen is um, well I think Sweden as it stands now is pretty much lost but it seems to me that uh, for instance, in France, I saw that Marie, Marie, Marine Le Pen's uh, party had joined the, the pro-Israel rally, 
and the left had been shut out. So uh, maybe France has n- uh, reached that tipping point you were talking about. And mm. I see, for instance, Douglas Murray uh, in England uh, call for deportation of Hamas sympathizers, um, uh, which would indicate, well, he's uh, a front runner, I think, but it it would indicate at least that that sentiment is alive and well in England. Uh, I think it's it's probably alive here in Sweden. Uh, there are some, like I think, Sverigedemokraterna, they, they have been talking about like whether revoking citizenship uh, or or deporting people. Moderaterna are starting to like approach that uh, territory as well. They have talked about... Kristdemokraterna floated that balloon uh, just did? two days ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ebba okay. Bush wrote a debate article. Right. Yeah. So I think actually we're moving there. But the problem is how I see it is that how will it go in, in practice? You know, we're not even like succeeding to deport people who are classed by Sapo as like violent extremists and high security risk. Because, yeah, I don't know. It is, that is the, the, the question. Uh, it is not like Hamlet says, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Uh, but uh, if uh, the Swedish social services and so on can actually start kidnapping Muslim children and deport them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think this is a bit... Uh, it's a dark thought and, and I, I take no pleasure in it, but unfortunately I don't think there will be, knowing human nature, I don't think there will be a sufficient push in that direction, except after a couple of terrorist attacks, which are a question of when, not if. Yes. It, it will happen. And a lot of what, all of the changes, the radical changes that come to society are the product of fear quite often. Uh, fear is a, is a great motivator to try to save yourself because if you're not afraid, you will not try to save yourself because you're not afraid. Um, so I think mm, this is what it will take, unfortunately. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Uh, bleak though it is Mm. so um, thank you for coming to Deconstructive Criticism Omar Makram always a pleasure Aaron thank you for listening to Deconstructive Criticism this episode's guest was Omar Makram I hope you found it enlightening we will explore this subject with other voices too later on. You can find Omar on Twitter slash X and in the podcast Sista Måltiden slash The Last Supper, which is in Swedish, although Omar speaks English to the others. Thank you for supporting my work, regardless of if you're supporting it as a Patreon on patreon.com slash Aaron Flam, Aaron Flam in one word, via PayPal with Bitcoin or on Swish 0046-768-943737. 0046-768-943737. My book, This is a Swedish Tiger, is available as an ebook on Kindle or as a paperback on my webpage aronflam.com in both Swedish and English.
The book analyzes the relationship between the Swedish social democrats and the socialists and later Islamists in the Palestinian movement and what they have in common, namely an anti-Semitism that can be traced back in an unbroken line to Nazi Germany. I am Aaron Flam. Until next, have a good unit of time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.